This week on Tipple Theory, we're going to be talking about vodka. Yeah. Tipple Theory is the exploration of the history and practice of creating alcohol around the world. Ever since our species discovered that things ferment, we began pickling our food and ourselves. On this show, we will share some of the history of how your favorite beverages came to be, as well as techniques professional bartenders use to elevate your poison of choice into an experience worth savoring. Hello and welcome to Tipple Theory with your VSOP hosts, Sean and... September! <laughs> so, nice to see you again, September. It's always uh, great to see you, Sean. Yeah, you too. Uh, let's see. Oh, of course, I have some other production notes that I should go over before we dig into things. Uh, do you want to go over the first one? Sure. I would appreciate it very much if all of you would visit tipplethory.com today and find our other episodes and ways to support us. Yes, we would like that very much so we can keep making the content and you know keep having little sips as we do. Yes. Yeah. So, click on the click on the Patreon. We we need you. Right. We need more patience. Please send send tips. <laughs> uh so before we dig into our today's topic, vodka, uh anything that you'd like to talk to talk about that you've been up to since our last recording? I'm making imaginary presents for D D. Because that makes sense. <laughs> now, when you say imaginary, do you mean like, because I'm thinking miniatures, but then you say imaginary, so they're not Imagination. <laughs> um, no, we're having a, uh, my husband is running an event that's like a holiday, and there's gift exchange in it. And so he told us to think of uh, gifts that we would, our characters would give the other characters. So it's kind of also a really nifty device for character development and us understanding, you know, how we perceive each other. Um, and yeah, so I'm making up imaginary presents for my imaginary. Well, no, I mean, they're my friends, but they're my imaginary personas, imaginary friends, too. I mean, I'm making presents for people in real life that play the characters but i'm mostly right now just making up things i'm going to give them <laughs> i'm just i'm just all my brain is regist registering right now is imagine dragons like, yes yes actually one of them is a dragon it's at the uh kiln right now i'm supposed to pick it up <sighs> on thursday wait that's a real one <laughs> i'm giving it to her for uh, that's true. No, I'm giving I'm giving one of the car uh, real people. I'm giving him. It's not Christmas yet. I mean, y'all aren't gonna hear this until we start releasing in six months or whatever the hell. But it's before Christmas right now when we're recording. So I'm also making real presents for those people, but I'm also imagining presents for her characters. Okay. Yes. Is that clear. All right. I think I understand. All right. What have you been up to? <laughs> I, I would so uh, no, no normal worky bits. Um, I have <laughs> a lot of like small nerdy stuff. Uh, I really tried to get a three D a new three D printer for Black Friday Cyber Monday at that time um, because mine currently passed fifty millimeters. Uh, all the prints just kind of go wibbly wobbly and. Fly off into the sunset. Spaghettify. Yes. 
Oh my gosh, the 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 fake plastic bird's nest that comes out. Yeah. And I've, I've replaced the wheels, I've re readjusted it and reset all the screws. Um, so I'm kind of at the point where like, all right, I really need something else because I actually like make functional things <laughs> with my printer. And yeah, so I, I missed, I couldn't find one. Everything, as soon as it went on sale, was gone. So I was like, no. Uh, Denied. So I've been, there's some of the parts I need to make, I'm, I'm working on this old laptop rebuild. So I basically gutted a 90s laptop and putting in like a whole new set of electronics, new screen, rewiring and reprogramming the keyboard so I can use the original keyboard. Um, so I cut all the pieces down. I need to make everything fit and hold everything in place down to 50, centi 50 millimeters or less. And that's been a lot of my free time is... <laughs> How can I chop everything into tiny parts and then print them? Okay. Glue them back together. Well, good. It's innovative. Which is the perfect activity to go with vodka. <laughs> what isn't? Right? <laughs> That's true. And honestly, that that is the perfect question because that is like vodka's function. Vodka is neutral. It's not. It's not. It's not supposed to. I, I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but it's such a good point. Like, vodka is there to to not be offensive, to not interfere with other flavors you're playing with, but yet to add alcohol to a drink. Um, it's it's a really good base to invent mm -hmm. drinks, like I did today. It was like, well, what do I got? Holiday things. I have cranberry. I have pineapple. I have you know, maraschino and like, well, vodka is going to just be in the background. <laughs> yeah. Did you name your drink? Nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> but oh, the vodka, my vodka is not plain though, because I had infused it. I like to infuse vodkas. Like that was another point I put in the notes and we'll just hit it now. Cause you're saying like, the point is it's just super neutral and we can talk about how and why, but um, I love to infuse them. It's also mm -hmm. the perfect base for that. I throw tea bags in, and it takes like a couple hours, and I can have like green tea vodka, mm. um, peppercorns. I keep it in the house because I like that in my Bloody Marys. This was an experiment with pineapple sage, which I grew for the first time this year. And it's a little weird, and I had to use really strong flavors to get something to balance it, but it's it's very interesting and it's it's very seasonal mm -hmm. because it does have a sagey thing. That's where I got tipped off. Like the pineapple wasn't doing it. Oh, cranberry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um. Uh, sorry, I thought I heard something weird for a second. So my my ears just like perked up inside my headphones, which makes sense. It was just me. It might be auditory hallucinations. This is good vodka. <laughs> so I'm drinking a, a vodka soda with some lemon juice. Uh, nothing, nothing fancy, but uh, that is the the cool thing about vodka. And one thing I noticed, as you were talking about, like I used to make a lot of uh, mocktails, pregotinis, if you will. And so often, like someone else would be like, "Oh my god, this is just delicious! You should add vodka to it." <laughs> <laughs> like well, I mean, that's not the point, but I, but I take your point in that. Yes, that's all you have to do is add liquor, and you got a fun party drink. Yes, <laughs> and that's that's yeah. One thing I, I do like about it. Uh, 
So I made I tried to make a smaller list for this episode of points that I thought were interesting about vodka. <laughs> and I see you divided them into categories, which is a great way to get through them. Yeah, yay! <laughs> um, but uh, one thing that I always do when I'm looking up, I, I want to say drinks specifically, alcohol specifically, uh, I was like I always try to find like the legend versus when things were first documented, is because mm-hmm. uh, really written documentation of cocktail recipes didn't happen until like the late 1800s before that it just you know it was more of a well being a barman wasn't much of a thing you know you you ran a tavern but you also cooked food and you might have served beer and wine like making cocktails was more of an apothecary thing which is more um what what would you call uh uh, tools of the trade trade secrets Mm -hmm. so you, you wouldn't write them down you would teach your apprentice and that was it because it was medicinal, it wasn't really for getting schlitzed. But I love finding stuff, bits from historians, <clears> that <throat> have found it in a story or a different piece of literature. Like you said, some kind of uh, apothecary tome, you know, where they were handing their apprentice a recipe. And it's like, that's that's a spirit in there. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, so, like, even in researching, I'll... I'll to the first point that I wrote down, so vodka is a dispilled, distilled spirit made from fermented, and I put whatever. I guess it can be made from fermented potatoes, fermented it's grains. It's potatoes. Everyone knows it's potatoes. Well, I mean, the Polish knows potatoes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but you can make it. You can make it out of anything. But if you look, if you look at earlier references and like a lot of the places I were found that were talking about vodka, would off, especially if they were translated websites, would often use the word wine. Because it was distilled wine that made, or or something like wine. You would ferment. You ferment a base. You ferment a fruit or a grain that has something to ferment in it, sugars to ferment in it, and then you would distill that, and that's how you got your spirit. So so there's the first documented use of vodka is much later than it probably actually existed. It just wasn't definitely had a name. It was just it is fuck, fuck me up wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting uh I, i'd be curious we should make a timeline of when these different different spirits that we talk about were documented because it would make so much sense for vodka to be really early because it doesn't have or maybe it's the other way around but I, my point is like it doesn't have flavor because you filter it you filter it through charcoal or, uh, you know, fancy stuff like quartz or silver because you're trying to sell it at a higher price. But you, you filter it. And that probably started because it tasted just bad. Like, <laughs> you know how to make wine. You know how to make mead. Like, if you leave something out and it has sugar in it, eventually it's going to ferment. Like, monkeys were eating rotten fruit that fell down off the trees and acting silly, and we figured out, like, oh, well, that looks like fun, right? So, you get wine and stuff, and, like, that's palatable, but you want to make it stronger, so, oh, I'll distill it. Well, it probably tasted really rank. You're just concentrating the not-great-tasting parts, so you would filter the hell out of it to get as much of the flavor out as possible, and then you get vodka. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was, I don't think there was, I don't think I found doc, or actual documentation on when it was found out that you could redistill and then charcoal filter. 
but charcoal filtering was like the earliest thing to be added into the process of making vodka. Um, yeah, because I mean, if you ever had like rank potatoes, Ooh. even though even though you fermented it, it's not a good taste. I mean, it's. Ooh. I mean, that's one of the worst rot smells. It's it really yeah, is. It's like if moldy feet were dry. Oh. That's yeah. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> for no flavor and taste. No. Is. Did you ever find a forgotten thing of potatoes? Yeah, and it's turned into that oh, soup yeah. that. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Death. It That's probably so nasty. Bodies. Like, they sell potatoes bad. in plastic bags, and you put them like in your cupboard, and you're like, "Oh God, what's that smell?" And then three days later, you're like, "Oh, it's the potatoes." Oh boy, I'm gonna have to move it, and that's gonna be terrible because they put holes in those plastic bags. Because that's a great idea. That's helping. It did, right. Didn't help my situation before. Great. So I'm curious uh, about this thing. Okay, you the distillery is next, right? First known distillery. Oh yeah. So I mean, I, I <laughs> so the first documented use of, of vodka was in the ninth century, and the first uh, is ninth century in Russia, and the first known distillery was in the eleventh century. In Russia, um, so you can kind of tell who is leading the charge in that. Uh, but I will say, every article I read also would, would generally say Russia and Poland, like almost in the same breath. Um, yeah, and a couple years ago, everybody got mad at Russia and stopped drinking vodka, and there's hardly any vodka from Russia anymore. <laughs> People don't realize. So there's that. I. Mine says it's imported from Russia. Um, Ooh. But the labeling on it just smacks of... I hate to say sure California. it is. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, did you get the glass from Russia? But, I mean, it does say imported, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Most come from other places right now, I am saying. Yes, yeah, I mean, and there's, I mean, you can get vodka almost anywhere in the world now. Uh, of course, I mean, I'm living in Texas. There's a pretty popular one that comes from here. Um, oh, North Carolina. We've got Tito's. No, wait. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's no, Tito's is Texas. Tito's is Texas. That's what they, they, Unless they have a distillery in Carolinas now. There, man. I was thinking, I was thinking of Jen. Uh, I mean, but like any, any distillery that opens up makes vodka. Now that's just like a thing. That's just what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get a bad batch, just keep, keep distilling or keep filtering. How um, long? Oh, Yes, I'd say like along the lines of talking about other countries making it and mentioning Poland, uh, there were claims that a distilled spirit or vodka was made in the 8th century. So one century before the first documented case in Russia was made in Poland, but it was more like a brandy. Uh, So before they figured out the filtering and the the triple or, or further on down the line distilling, they basically had a fermented wine of some sort and distilled it. Um, So it's weird because claiming that as a vodka is kind of not really right because it's still a, a condensed flavor spirit versus a neutral spirit that vodka is supposed to be. Why do they call it vodka? Oh, oh, oh. I'm trying to do this from memory. Because <laughs> did I write that down? Nope. I didn't. Okay. Shoot. Why didn't I write that down? So I, re- I remember reading the etymology of the word vodka and I forget. Do you have it? Uh. No, I mean, I'm sure I'll find it in a second here, but what I was asking was why they called this more brandy-like thing vodka. Like, why are they calling it that when the the more um, 
filtered spirit was being called vodka. Oh no no no! I was finding that people were were claiming that there is earlier versions of of, of what they would call vodka. Oh okay. But it's, oh, it's kind of like 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 saying people were calling it wine as well. Gotcha. I, I just I'm a doofus. I knew this, and a lot of us and you're gonna remember this. It's waterkin, vodka. It's it's water. It's <laughs> It's a diminutive form of the Slavic word um, voda, interpreted as interpreted as waterkin. The root word being water, diminutive suffix, blah blah blah, ending in a feminine gender. Vodka, waterkin, and I guess that's you know it's clear <laughs> and doesn't taste like much. <laughs> but that's the etymology according to Wikipedia. I like it. That's even better. I'm, I'm, well, yeah, I was about to digress to other topics of, of liquors and water, but um, I like that. But this, yo, is a, this is a vodka show. This is vodka. <laughs> this is vodka. I remember the Polish for it was wodka, like yeah. like W O O D K A. But saying it makes you sound Russian. But that's, that's yeah, that's the Polish version. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, history and adaptations. So that's like the origins of vodka. Actually, before we get into history and adaptations, or maybe as a segue to that, one note that I didn't make that I was thinking about today was stroikia. So stroikia uh, is essentially barrel-aged vodka. So after you've gone through all the trouble of making a clean, clear, neutral spirit. Uh, there's there's a tradition of making stroikia in Russia, which is you throw it in, a, in an oak barrel, bury it at the base of a tree, and leave it all winter and let it age. And what you get is this light brown tan spirit, like so a little bit lighter than whiskey, or well, potentially quite a bit lighter. But what you get is something that has the smoothness of vodka. With to me, like the when I got to taste it, it was like almost like caramel. Like, 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 not even like salted caramel, just like a really clean, just kind of sweet with that kind of burnt, which would come from the wood, but so burnt flavor that caramel kind of has, or that, that burnt sugar flavor. It was, it was excellent. Interesting. Uh, and, and that's, and that, that was, I'm sure that was probably one of the, and I, I, I looked up the history a long time ago. It was one of the early variations of vodka in Russia. Was let's throw it in some wood and bury it. If if we make it through the winter, then we get to have it in spring. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Celebration. Hey, that's 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 how I celebrate. Um, <laughs> there are like three different potential etymology sources for vodka, eau de vie, whatever. Um, so you can all email us at tipletheory at gmail dot com and and yell at me if you want later on. Uh, that's an interesting vodka version. I would be interested to try. I wonder if they have that in Vegas. Um, I know that Bellagio, they have a freezer tasting situation. Um, a friend of mine used to work there and he has since passed, but I understand you can buy into this going into a freezer and tasting vodkas, um, and with like you know they have fancy fur coats that you can wear and whatever and i'd be interested to try a tasting like that i've never quite understood why you would 
bother? Like, why is it so important to have your vodka cold? Because for me, if you have to, like, if you have to drink your beer really cold, it's probably because it tastes terrible. You don't want to taste anything. So why with vodka do people have this, like, wanting it cold or frozen when it doesn't really have much of a flavor to begin with? Is it? Is it? Uh, my, it I was going to save this story for later, but I can I can throw it in now. <laughs> so, part of it, a lot of it's marketing. Uh, so, I used to know the one of the original distributors and uh, uh, reps for Grey Goose. One of the guys that that so Grey Goose is a, a French uh, uh, vodka. It's very popular here in the U.S. It was one of the first luxury vodkas. Mm-hmm. It's high class, you know, whatever. Uh, I always get a little um, warning <laughs> flag that pops up in my head whenever it sounds, oh, it's a luxury spirit. I'm like, okay, well, that's... that's <laughs> Whatever you say. That's a whole lot of chicanery. But, uh, so this guy, I worked at a golf course uh, up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And it's this, this German fellow. And... He would tell us about how he got Grey Goose into, like, the most popular bars on the East Coast back in the day. And he said his, his trick was he would go, not trick, but his pitch was he would go to whatever bar he was trying to try to get his product, Grey Goose, into. He'd say, hey, I, we're, I've got this ultra-premium French beautiful vodka, and I want you to get your favorite vodka, and we're going to do a taste test. He'd say, all right, we're, we're going to chill them both, because... I, don't, I want to be fair. Gregus should be served chilled. You know, so they chill one vodka or put them in the freezer or whatever. And they get two glasses. They pour the first one. We'll, we'll try yours first. We'll try that one out. So they both take a sip. They say, okay, you know, no, I see. You know, it's got uh, it's got this kind of note. Oh, it's a little earthy on the end, blah, blah, blah. They should just BS the guy. They say, all right, well, now we're going to try our Grey Goose. And one of the, his first tactic was the fact that he was selling a story, which is how everyone sells things now. So you have a good story. You have a good origin, blah, blah, blah. His second trick was that it's not necessarily the chilling, although it helped. So there's two things. The chilling numbs your mouth, makes it a little bit harder to taste. The second is that it's vodka. So cold vodka basically obliterates your palate. After you have that first sip, you can't taste anything after that. So that first sip from the the, the vodka that the bartender poured <laughs> him that was his favorite obliterated both their palates. And after that, it was all up to... To, to to this gentleman to just go yeah but this is what this tastes like and for the, his force of charisma and personality to c- convince them that that's it tastes better and since they couldn't really taste the, a lot of them would just agree and just go oh, of course yeah. they would oh yeah yeah no no things are nice slightly chilled they they're, they feel pleasant uh, uh on the palate I was about to say, phrase that differently but they don't bring flavor out like it no. negates <laughs> no, and there's nothing wrong with having your liquor chill, by the way. The, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm drinking mine on a, a nice Jenner's, globe. Jenner's, like the same thing that we we're filtering out of vodka to begin with. So. All right. Cocktail book. Book. The book. The book. I, I, so, <clears throat> the history. The documented history. Writing things down. I love that. Um, only because it makes it easier to research later on and go, no, 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 here's proof. So the first cocktail book to include a recipe. Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. 
that soda water caught up to me. <laughs> so the first cocktail book to include a recipe for a vodka cocktail was the the Savoy cocktail book, which is if you ever look up cocktail books, that is the like the holy grail. It's like one of the earliest cocktail, like big cocktail compendiums. So the Savoy cocktail book had a recipe for a blue Monday, and I'm still not sure how to make it because it has vodka, fine, Cointreau, fine, it's an orange brandy, and blue vegetable juice. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um. There are okay now and and there, I just listen. I listen to a whole. There's you, a whole episode of All Around Science how like blue is so rare it doesn't like actually exist in nature except for a handful of things. So, what the hell did they do? That I, was. Yeah, I'm wondering if they had like maybe saffron, or not saffron. Uh, uh what is it? Lavender, or pea flower, and like something else. It's like to kind of bring out a blue hue of something. I, 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 that's terrifying. <laughs> but even Savoy, like that cocktail. So basically, we're talking about the turn turn of the twentieth century. So you were also able to get a lot more things that have color at that point in time. Um, Maybe you use purple carrots, and if you mix it yeah. with the Cointreau, I don't know. <laughs> Cointreau, I mean, it's just kind of. Light brownish, as if yeah, the slightest, slightest orange hue, but yeah, a little orangey. Anyway, but that is that is the first vodka cocktail. Uh, unlike like a lot of people would be like, oh, James Bond. Nope. That reminds me, the first time I danced at a bar though was I had blue whales for my twenty first birthday. What's a blue whale? I know we're digressing. I don't know. They were just giving them to me. It tasted like Kool Aid, and I drank too many. Oh, all right. Well, that's no, that's you did that right. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I was I was young and unwise. <laughs> now so I'm old and I don't care. Sorry, go ahead. The world wars were responsible for the initial spread of vodka to Western countries. Yes, of mm. course. Which is maybe unsurprisingly, or at least unsurprisingly to me at this point, was how a lot of different liquors and different cocktails moved around the world. Just like, well, wow, why is the first thing that, oh, the first thing that came to mind after that was diseases. Uh, but, you know, we just finished a pandemic or, or are on the downswing of a pandemic. Um, <laughs> so as other things were spreading, so were cocktail recipes. So we're going into local bars in whatever country that a person happened to land in and go, what do you have to drink? Uh, life is kind of kind of poo-poo right now. I don't know why it didn't spare that time, and I did other times in this episode. Uh, but that's that's what caused a lot of that migration of spirits to to America. Because before that, it was you know, whiskey and gin were the big popular things um, in America, mostly because of sailors and, and rum. But rum is actually more uh, Central America, and oddly enough, um, Newfoundland and Eastern Canada. Um, that's a whole other episode. Oh, all right, I understand. <laughs> but right. um, but yeah, that that's actually what pushed uh, vodka to being very popular in, in the states. And oh, nuts! I didn't actually I didn't note it in our notes. But uh, so it was the First World War that got soldiers and and people really out in the, out in the Americas interested in vodka. It was around the Second World War that our, the first vodka distilleries opened in the U.S. 
So would you? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't find. I didn't look up an exact date after that. Um, but it was there was a basically between those two times, and I think it's because people kept traveling back and forth, going, you know what, we just need it over here. <laughs> just, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably some entrepreneur also said, eh, you know, I our boys keep asking for this. Yeah, you know, or somebody just built a still and yeah, no, there's totally there a businessman. Right? In a bar, who hold a, heard a soldier asking, "No, I want vodka." You don't have vodka, and then him going, "Hey, uh, what's vodka?" <laughs> Got the story, and was like, "No, no, I can make that." Mm-hmm. I, know, I know a guy. He has a still in the Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then enter in some NASCAR in there, and then, then yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I see. I see. I was just looking at some of the notes you added. So, as as a lot of things are, and I actually wasn't sure as I was researching this episode. I didn't think there was actually any domain uh, legislation around what vodka had to be because vodka can be made out of so many things. Oh my so, goodness! Yeah, but there's something yeah. for everything. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, but like, but you don't hear like. The French, you know, as, as the French tend to do, and sometimes appropriately so with their wine and their and their their origins definitions. You know, you can't call it champagne if it's not from Champagne. Fine, um, but I was whiskey and bourbon have their whole own. Right, but even even too. then, for bourbon, like it's now kind of anything made in the U.S. Because the best oh, bourbon in the world. About it until there's a legal. Thing, yeah, no, no, because yeah. the, the best bourbons are well, in the world, but in the US came out of Utah like eight years ago. So, <laughs> irony, yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, but I did find so for vodka, I was surprised to find that uh, it actually to be called vodka has to be uh, 40 proof or sorry, 40 percent or 80 proof at least, at least, yes. It was odd because, like, the phrasing, I, I might have found an old website, but it was saying it actually has to, like, there's a legitimate amount of proof that it had to be, um, which is nice because sometimes you see, like, skinny vodka and it's like, it's 20, 20 proof. I'm like, that's shitty wine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Karen of vodkas. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so it actually does have at least some uh, standards associated with it. That um, doesn't it can be distilled as many times as you want. So you have like your triple distilled, your ten times distilled, your sixty-four times distilled. Oh my god! Looking at you, yeah. and it, I will say it does make a difference. Is it worth the price change? No, 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 it's not. But it is interesting if you ever have a chance to try something that's like five times distilled versus like an order of magnitude more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was yeah. distilled, you know, the fiftieth time through the white quartz sands of an island once walked upon by Jimmy Buffett or something. So, uh. <laughs> so let's talk about the high end because, yes. oh, it's a mistake. I don't understand. Um, I get people want to just get drunk fast, and so they get a higher proof. I guess. No matter how much it hurts. But I, you know, 151 was kind of like a big deal. It was all the rage. When I was younger, it was, you know, 
you can get it it's a duty free ha 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 you know and i'd be camping and in canada and my friends come over and they brought some 151 and i'm thinking of rum aren't i yep yes 151 yep. is, is i'm thinking of party. but regardless super high proof is I think the regular vodka is numbing your taste by drinking it straight. Oh, for sure. So, and you can get higher proof vodkas. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. I was curious. Uh, so uh, I, I know at least Smirnoff makes a, I forget what they call it, but it's a higher proof vodka. It's 120 proof. Um, 151 is right around the area where alcohol is flammable. So that's just kind of a fun, Whee. fun fact or fun thing to know about your, Spirits behind your bar. If it's oh, this will light on fire. Like really. absolute makes a one hundred. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. But there is a certain point where you transition from it being a spirit to be more of a grain alcohol, like Everclear. <laughs> exactly. At that point, what is the difference between moonshine, like more filtering? Apparently, Belvedere, and I find this funny because you were just talking about this high end vodka thing. Belvedere makes one. <laughs> They make a Belvedere 100, and they call it intense. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a word. So that's interesting, too, is is Belvedere, and f- I mean, that's always been their thing. It's like, how can we make it special and unique? And so they were doing estate vodkas for a while. I don't know if they still do. And, and the whole selling point was that each vodka, the grains that were made with for the vodka were came from one estate or one area one appellation if you will and and so they would come in and be like well this bottle is from this one estate from this portion blah 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 and this one came from over here and and then really really trying to dig down like trying to taste the difference and oh boy it was tough because they were like well we're going to make a manhattan with this one because this one works better with the flavors that are in the manhattan like man that's you're talking like vermouth and angostura bitters against vodka on the taste that's Great. super tough now <laughs> I will like say, any measure no because uh, belvedere is polish right uh, i don't know I'm, I'm fairly certain they are um but i, I am seeing that stoli smirnoff svedka absolute they all make hundreds oh so so i would, I would say the one thing about um uh, belvedere I'm, I'm, I'm like 80% certain it's Polish. As Polish vodkas tend to use some botanicals in their distillation okay. process. It's like one of the differentiation differentiators in Polish vodka. Now, not enough to be like a gin, but enough just to add like little notes of things. So, and I, I don't think I was crazy. I, I, I have a pretty decent, well-developed palate after years and years and years in the industry. Um, it is that, Polish and it's a rye vodka. Oh, there you go. Yay! My brain's not that obliterated. <laughs> but the, the notes, they, they were very small. They're very, it was very hard to tell. I think I could get like little bits like, oh, it's very slightly spicy on the end, and this one's a little bit smoother and sweet. Mm-hmm. But it's tough. And, and then when you start, you know, upping the ante as far as the, the alcohol content, you, you, you tend to lose any of those distinct notes. They're just, you know, they're not going to be there anymore. You know, for for a vodka to be f- fun and neutral and enjoyable, you kind of have to let it rest under a certain, um, I almost said altitude, <laughs> but but certain uh, weight limit as far as the proof goes. Like it's just you're not gonna get much. <laughs> um, 
or as much from it as far as an experience. Right. Um, and I, let's see, currently, actually, no, this is a good transition into the, the next section of notes that we have, but uh, the biggest difference I ever had, because you still can't taste differences, like, so Ciroc is a grape-based vodka. Um, so, and you can kind of get, so you can even still get like little notes of kind of fruitiness from it. My favorite, um, and it, maybe one day they'll pay me, is a Boyd and Blair makes a vodka. And uh, I can't remember if they're either out of Pennsylvania or New York, and they're a potato vodka. But I'm, it is. I'm familiar with this. Oh. I could find them in Georgia when I lived out there. But they were generally further up, uh, up the East Coast. Mm-hmm. It's a clear bottle with a black wax top. <laughs> Go find it. Drink it. I, I am looking. Yes, I'm putting it on my desktop so that I can look and nag my local ABC store if they don't have it, because that's that's who I am now. It was syrupy smooth. And that was one of the biggest differences I think I could tell is that it, you know, it was still obviously a vodka, but even when it was chilled, it had a, a viscosity to it that was different and that was very enjoyable. You know, it it actually helped somehow help reduce the like the burning on the palate that you would normally get from vodka, and I I was just smitten with it when I first tried it, and then just so excited about how clean and easier it was to drink if I felt like just drinking vodka, which is not always an everyday thing, but it's just wonderful when you can have something that's just you you know is going to be more easily palatable when you drink it. Well, see, and I think that's a good tip. That we might want to give people out there. <laughs> if there's not a whole lot of difference between vodkas, there's not a lo- lot of impurity situations going on, but your super cheap vodkas, like if you're gonna like if you could tell they poured it strong, like that well vodka is at a level where enough bad water has been added back <laughs> that yes. that's not good if it's tainting a drink that's that's really bad vodka because most vodkas they're they're just filtered a lot they're passable a high-end one you're going to get something where you can make something as simple as a martini and it can only complement the flavors but most vodkas will pass with anything where you're mixing with fruit juice and and or milk and Kahlua or, or whatever you're doing. But if you could taste the vodka through those kind of drinks, go ahead and order something off the top shelf. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. It's like basically the bagel effect for vodka, like the water that gets added back into it. Because when you distill things, you don't always get to distill it exactly 280 proof. A lot of times it goes higher than that, and then you add water back into it, which is a lot of the case with a lot of vodkas. So the water that then gets put back in is can make a big difference uh, to to what it you know is it just purely distilled water too, or does it have you know is it from a fountain stream? Is it did they add Fiji water to it? I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if someone did that, uh, but it can really really change uh, what you get from that from that drinking experience. I mean, the quality of the grain is going to matter to an extent, but mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. the quality will matter more than the type with vodka yeah. because of its process. Yeah. Like back in the day, they just called everything corn <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> it is <laughs> corn, spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All grain is corn. It was that was. That was a U.S. thing, right? Weirdos. <laughs> we like our corn. 
Yeah. It's gluten free. So, um, so we, fun we, facts. Yeah, I was gonna say like, wow, we went through like a whole section without even like trying that hard. Uh, so fun facts. I, I wrote down my fun fact, um, and I and I, I kind of touched on this before when I was talking about like how apothecaries uh, kept a lot of their cocktail recipes uh, secret. Uh, but that's the first early mentions I found of a distilled neutral spirit, uh, aka vodka were actually for medicinal use, used for cleaning wounds or for, for helping, you know, quote-unquote, heal people, you know, because you feel better after a couple shots of vodka. <laughs> yeah. Know, they, it doesn't hurt so bad. <laughs> Do miss my leg, though. Um, there's, some, there's some really good topics back in the day. <laughs> We're talking about laudanum already. Um, oh, for really real. Right? Um, was that 7-Up? Was laudanum? Anyway, um we're talking about mixers now. But yeah, that was I thought that was really cool. And it's obviously a part of the tradition of, of, of just drinking in general is that, yeah, it was used as a disinfectant. Yeah, interesting. Uh, today I learned that, like, Polish vodka, back in its origins, was more brandy. I You found that? I had no idea. I mean, given that I know, like, even today... Um, there's a lot of vodka made in Poland and Latvia and and stuff. Uh, so <laughs> I, I was surprised to hear that the origins were a little rougher, although I guess it makes sense if it just started there. And I had never heard anybody use the term pregatini until you <laughs> did earlier in the show. What the hell kind of Shirley Temple juju word is that? Like what? <laughs> I have a whole book on pregotinis. Um because Where did that name come from? I've never heard anybody call a mocktail or a, a virgin anything a pregotini. Long ago, in the days before the Karen, <laughs> there was a different kind of needy white woman. <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted pregotinis. Well, it just sounds like another name for a, a Bloody Mary to me. <laughs> <laughs> Is some Brago some vodka? Here we go. Oh, you, uh, you know, it, it 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 took me until you actually broke it down like that to get what you mean, like Prego. Uh, <laughs> but I I really like pasta sauce, so I wouldn't be above trying that. No, <laughs> that's oh, that's either. that's bonus content. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me drink pasta sauce and vodka. Yeah, uh, that might be a bit much. Dude, there's such get... a thing. You know there's such a thing, right? Is vodka sauce. Like Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. But well, there's always a cream in it, which I don't enjoy. Uh, uh, yeah, generally. But uh, no, and I, I I would do it with non-creamed. Stop creaming my sauce. But you can also just deglaze a pan that you've been sauteing um tomatoes in and not add cream and get a, a different texture for uh mm. Uh, like raviolis and never mind not my cooking show that'll happen someday so why don't you Wonder tell bar. people about uh the featured cocktail that you're gonna break down and then well, make this, i will so so we're gonna talk about one cocktail and uh we'll do a video for for it on patreon um but i'm still gonna talk about it here and i Initially, I actually wasn't sure if I wanted to do this because it involves gin, and this is not a gin episode. Um, but I know. I almost went at you. You put martini. I was like, hey, hey. All right, calm down, September. 
Well, okay, so this was part of it. You, you know, last last time we recorded, you linked me uh, to a, a menu uh, after we recorded, like a little bar menu, and it had a bunch of uh, vodka martinis on it. And I was looking at that, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's, and, and vodka vermouth, vodka vermouth, uh, fine. Dry vermouth, sweet vermouth, perfect, which is equal parts. <clears throat> but I don't really like vermouth and vodka. Um, it was originally vermouth and gin, but there is a martini called the Vesper that uses Lillet vermouth. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Brain. And Lillet instead of vermouth, gin, and vodka. Uh, and the Vesper martini comes from uh, the James Bond novel series, which was and it was referred to in the movie Casino Royale, came from the book of the same name. And the Vesper was the, oh, the only Vesper other was drink. the car, right? V- uh, Vesper was the name of his love interest, who was his oh, okay. first right. wife, who was killed by Brain. Oh no, I think it was Blofeld. <laughs> okay, that killed anyway. his. Uh, anyway, so, I keep distracting you. Sorry. Right, but not. But so I so I grew up on James Bond movies. Um, I had a stepfather that just didn't care. <laughs> so you you you're gonna you're gonna watch these movies with me because it's what I want to watch. And they are incredibly problematic now. Uh, and actually, you know what? They were then, but just no one knew what to say about it. Uh, but there was this one cocktail. Before it was shaken, not stirred, vodka martini, it was the Vesper. And the Vesper martini is three parts gin, one part vodka, and a, basically a half part of Lillet, which is a, a sort of semi-sweet wine aperitivo. Um, and I believe it's, it's Lillet Blanc. So if you happen to see a reddish one, don't use the red one. And what you get is, a, again, the vodka in this cocktail serves as a booster. Uh, so it would have balanced out the, the herbal floral of the Lillet and the dry herbalness of a, of a dry gin. And, and then gave you a nice potent cocktail ready for spycraft. Um, and this would also have been the only martini that would have been stirred and not shaken. Ha! Because his tagline is shaken, not stirred. Shaken, not stirred, yeah. Right, but that one you would have stirred. Because otherwise it would have bruised everything or added too much air and made it all fizzy and gross looking. <laughs> Some people don't think foamy is gross. That's fine. Well, no, no, and there's, there's times that it's absolutely appropriate. Um, but it really depends on your liquors and how you want to present them and, yeah. what, and how you want them to be flavored. Like, if it's just a vodka martini, a spritz of a fine high-end vermouth, and then shake the sin out of your vodka so that there's ice chips on top. That's what I like. <laughs> but Well, I love uh, this idea, and I may have to get some Lille Blanc, and I, I don't believe I have any experience with that. Um I'm, I love that you took this away from the drink menu I sent you uh, because all the martinis on it do say vodka or gin, vodka or gin, and then the rest of the ingredients. And I was waiting to see what you had to say about that because I thought I didn't like martinis most of my life. And it was because people were making them with vodka just so they could put all kinds of weird shit in them and ha- make them sweet drinks. And I love me a 
dirty martini. I like a filthy martini with like blue cheese olives. And gin is all the difference in the world. And it's one of my favorite things now to uh, that I know that a martini. So said gin, goddammit. So <laughs> I did try some really great drinks. Um, having a proper gimlet because people do that with gimlets too. Um, the, the place we're talking about is called Stroke. It's uh, an urban golf club. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can go play mini golf. They have a like nice fancy cocktail bar. And I saw a burlesque show there. And their cocktails were lovely. And I had a gimlet. And I was because I was so excited that they were making it with gin. Like I grew up with my mom making gimlets with vodka. And I, it's never no. been. No, I, especially if you're doing a London dry mm-hmm. and lime. London dry and lime juice just stick oh. together. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So now we have a lovely drink that you guys, you can, uh, if uh, people want to join our Patreon, uh, you'll be able to go see a video of Sean mixing this drink up for us. And and I might throw in a bonus cocktail because because all that talk made me think of my my favorite one of my favorite styles of dirty martini. Um, so I'm, I might. Since this seems to be like the subject Wait, matter and topic we, to do it, then we, so we'll we do are, it on there. we're doing gin next show. No, no, but like for when we were talking dirty vodka martini, I I I no, enjoy a, no exactly. So there's I right. like a certain balance of ingredients in a dirty martini, and it also includes a little bit of hot sauce. So um, we'll, we'll talk about that on the Patreon thing. Y'all can use your imaginations. Yeah. All right. So. That concludes this episode. Please chime in by emailing us at tipplethory.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and of course, visit our Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash tipplethory. Check it out today, right now. You're listening to me. Do it now. Anyway, uh, make sure you do that. We do have a website, by the way. It's tipplethory.com. I've been slowly working on it. It's got more pictures. There's stock photos, but they're there. Is there anywhere else, anywhere else people can find you? Just other oh, stuff goodness. you do. Uh, you can, you know what? If you search either Sean Wyland or male underscore NPC on any of the social medias, you will find me. Whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Threads, uh, Blue Sky, there's a hyphen. It's male hyphen NPC. Um, I have one post because you know it's we're trying to just get off the other stuff. Hey, I'm on Blue Sky. We we should maybe we should up be there. friends. Like we should be friends. Fight um, the power. I miss Twitter. <laughs> I don't. Um, okay, but yeah. Fair <laughs> I just I I had to use it. <laughs> it was the tool at the time. Uh, but anyway, I can be found at nine of twelve dot com. That's n i n e o f one two dot com, and you'll find a link there to our stuff as well. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.